2: Hello, pod people, and welcome back to Classic Ads from Simpler Times. This week, we grapple with tragedy in the street and in real life, grope our way through some fake sincerity about fake emus, squabble about whether Mr. Blobby qualifies as a puppet or not, and question Roland Rat's choice of friends. You'll gasp in horror as the blame for the loss of 6,000 jobs and the closure of 11 factories in the US is heaped squarely on the shoulders of Jeremy Clarkson, and marvel at the six stages of separation between Nick Cayman and a hamster that died of boredom. All this as we try unsuccessfully to steer clear of postmodernism, and the tables are turned as the questioner becomes the questionee. Thanks for joining us again. I'm Steve Cook, and my co-host is award-winning advertising creative and TV ad director, Tony Williams. Together, we're looking at a TV ad for Levi's Stay Pressed Clothing, that first aired in the UK in 1999.
0: Hello? Two, one. It's
1: Benedict,
0: Cumberbatch <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch eating cucumber sandwiches. Benedict Cumberbatch eating cucumber sandwiches. It is on um, Oh Mindhorn. Yeah, something like that. Benedict Cumberbatch. She sells his shells. The rain in Spain stains mainly on the plane.
2: And where, what, where's that thing that you said, Do you feel like the, the ragged sombrero on the donkey of life? Where did that come <laughs> I from? I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it,
0: was, it was his name. I, he's, in, he's in The Good Liar. I keep trying to talk to my mum and dad about it. I feel like the ragged sombrero on the donkey of life. I don't know. It sounds like some Shakespearean actor.
2: Okay, thanks for turning up, Tones. Oh, we don't? Sorry, okay. <laughs> hang on. It's on? Okay. And scene. I think the audience has definitely, definitely. seen how the sausage is made now. I'm ready. The year is nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. Tony Blair is prime minister. The Euro currency is launched, but the Brits don't want a bar of it. We're not touching any of that foreign <laughs> money. <laughs> we'll stick with pans and pens. <laughs> how much how many Euros in a mag day? <laughs> Johnny Morris from Animal Magic dies. Oh, I can see him now with a monkey on his shoulder. I got and then I got all I could find was really two really sad stories. Do you remember Rod Hull? Yeah, with the emu? Yeah. Rod yeah. Rod Hull died. He fell off the roof of his house trying to fix the his tele aerial. <laughs> You're on it. I don't know why that's funny. But, no, right. it's not funny, because you ever died. tried fixing an aerial with an emu under <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> The Emu's scared of heights, that's why. Oh, I didn't know that.
2: Yeah. Wow. How old was he? Old enough to go up a ladder, apparently. Apparently I'd, not. I'm not drilling down in this much <laughs> depth, actually. It's like <laughs> I stopped when I Convulsing laughter at the idea of Rod Hall falling Mm. off the roof with with an emu stuck Mm. under his arm. Elsewhere, uh, Coronation Street, shopkeeper Alf Roberts is written out of Coronation Street when he dies of a heart attack. And then also, awfully, two weeks later, the actor who plays Alf Roberts dies of a heart attack. Ah, So that was life imitating art.
0: Mm. No, not, just, I don't this, know
2: why this, I put this in, because it's not really this, very funny. This is is a it? strong it's
0: theme really. This is the year that was, you know. <laughs> it's <laughs> always got Coronation Street. <laughs> it's Barry's a, it's, joined,
2: it's it's his left. It's like Coronation Street is like the spine of a lot of people's lives, isn't it? Mm. You measure yeah. the years that are eked out by mm. soap opera storylines. So this is the Prime
0: Minister, and guess what happened in Coronation Street? Yep. Yeah. yeah, If you don't have a watch, just watch Coronation Street. That's the format
2: of the podcast. A Broadcasting Standards Commission survey indicates that many viewers believe sex is used on television in order to boost ratings. Hmm. Elsewhere, research has revealed that most people believe that bears use the woods as a kind of open-air latrine. (laughs) Fuck's sake. (coughs) Broadcasters use sex to boost up ratings. Is that a survey? Whoever would have thought. Yes. And in a sign that comedy gold is always comedy gold... You'll love this. Channel 5 announces plans to resurrect It's a Knockout.
0: Oh, here come the Belgians.
2: <laughs> with the original presenter, Stuart Hall. Stuart Hall, brilliant. But didn't Stuart
0: Hall get you treated? Again, I'm thinking, yeah, the special price there, I'm sure. But yeah, I used to love it with the big heads. Oh, look, the Germans have fallen over, but here come the Belgians. Awesome. Channel 5, it's funny because, you know, I remember when Channel 4 came out, when we had only one, two, three. I remember Channel 4. BBC 1 was had some good stuff on. BBC 2 was documentaries and nerds and old people. And then your local, you know, ITV or Yorkshire or whatever it was, and then Channel Four when that came out—that was revolutionary. Channel
2: Four made Friday nights bearable. Remember the big triangle. If you if you weren't going out, Friday nights became interesting. Mm. Like if you couldn't round up your mates to get out on the slots. You you were guaranteed you could stay in and watch um, the Way Fifteen. Polly Yates. Polly Yates. What what was that? um, What what was the kind of magazine thing that they had with Polly Yates? Was Polly Yates and that ginger twat that went on to be super famous? Chris Evans. Chris Evans. I don't know. But so, I remember sorry, the Pink Chris.
1: Triangle? <laughs>
2: yeah, because <laughs> he's listening now. Would well, you remember the Pink Triangle? They used to come out. There were movies that weren't really suitable for the younger audiences. Oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah but, you know. At, at the some stage, somebody was there, would be a breast, a breast in it. Yeah. It, didn't have, it, was, it wasn't necessarily a pair. I remember
0: watching the James Whale show, and I was recording it for some reason. I just got, I saved up enough vouchers from the gas station to get one of those TV and video recorders all built in. I used to film and record everything. The James Whale show, remember him? He was a radio guy. Mm. And I interviewed someone, this guy, wrote, there was a few guests so he rang up he said, uh, yeah, what's your question? He said, yeah, yeah. Georgine's got a sexy, can't ya? He goes, Georgine's got a very sexy coat. Yes, very sexy coat. Thank you. And they, Oh, sorry. I, I don't know if he said that or not. Of course, I went... it again and again. And then, yeah, it was one of those times that the kill button didn't work at the station, I think. It was very funny. It was one of those great moments of TV that I remember was watching, like when just well, that died. Tommy Cooper. <laughs> Tommy Cooper. We were watching it. No, we weren't. We were recording it and watching the other channel. And we saw on the news that Tommy Cooper had died. We thought, oh, he's just on a show, live show. We we're lucky we recorded it. So we were watching it. And he's there. And he suddenly like, falls over in a silence. And the curtain closes. And everyone claps because they think it's part of the act. Live on TV. Live on Tommy TV. Cooper
2: died live on TV Is Dead that right? live on TV. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a poor man.
0: Mm. Well, you know me. But it's where he wanted to be, wouldn't it? On the stage. But the, it was all for the audience because I didn't know whether it was real or not. So when the curtains started closing, everyone just clapped
2: onto lights of things. Okay. Um, it's 1999. We're going to look at an ad for Levi's. Do you want to describe the ad? Let's start off by describing the ad. I know normally we have a chat about it and then we describe it. But if you can describe the ad, then we'll get into talking about it. So let's do the middle ad, the one with the cop. So the ad
0: uh, shows... Oh, I should, hang on, I'm sorry. I should really watch it. Do you want it in detail or just general? So, Do you want my
2: notes? Because I have picked out all the bits. Oh, me, why I don't you I'll describe really it for me? a
0: change? Okay. Okay. In a change of roles, in a role swap. Right. Why don't you describe the ad? Because this is probably one of the most creative, if you like, ads, aloof ads. Ever. No, one of the more... Postmodern, harking,
2: back, ads. harking back to the last... So from a, the from
0: a, do you describe it from an audience perspective?
2: Okay. So we open on a car driving down the road. It's obviously in America because it's a left-hand drive car. We're looking through the window and the right hand in the right-hand window is a yellow puppet, which is dancing along to some techno music. The song that we shall know um, later on as Flatbeat by... Mm. Mr. Oizo. Mr. Oizo. The car gets pulled over by a highway patrolman. In between the highway patrolman getting off his motorbike and coming to the window of the car, Flat Eric... Turns over a postcard, which is held onto the dash by a rubber band. The postcard features a policewoman reclining on a motorbike. He turns it over and there is a picture of a pony. (laughs) Once he's done that, he puts a cassette. So he turns off the techno music, pushes a cassette into the stereo, and it starts playing a song called What's Happened to Me. It's a country and western song by a bloke called Don Gibson. Flat Eric then miraculously comes up with a monkey ornament. You know one of those bobbling ornaments? Bobleds. You put it on the dashboard. Yeah, the bobblehead. And the monkey starts making a noise, like a chimp. So it starts bobbling around on the dashboard and starts making a chimp noise that carries on through the rest of the ad, which is actually quite distracting. The policeman comes to the window and says to the driver, Have you, can I see your ID? Flat Eric opens the glove compartment, and in the glove compartment there's a brown paper bag. When I first saw it, I thought he was going to pull a revolver out because mm. it's that classic movie mm. situation, isn't it, where the protagonists get pulled over mm. by the cop. The unsuspecting policeman doesn't thinks it's just a random mm. stop, but actually there are two killers on the run, and they open the glove compartment, take out the revolver and shoot him. It, anyway, he opens the glove compartment, the paper bag falls to the floor, and he gives him the two driver's license, Driving licenses. There's passports, no? I think they're driver's license, but they could quite... Reasonably, be passport. passports. Yeah, the policeman opens them and reveals the names of mm. the two passengers of the car very mm. clearly. One is called Angel, mm. and the other one is called Flat Eric. Mm. You don't have to make any kind of leap because there's a picture of the sock puppet mm. in the passport slash driver's license. So, so we find out that the other the other um the guy is called Angel. Mm. The policeman asks them to get out of the car. Angel gets out of the car, Flight Eric doesn't for obvious reasons, because he's a puppet, and we get an amazing product shot. So Angel is wearing a pair of stay-pressed trousers with razor-sharp creases and some kind of, and a, and a shirt that has amazing stay-pressed creases as well. Stay-pressed shirt. Stay-pressed. And then the cop asks if he can see in the trunk of the car. So they go around to the back of the car, open the trunk, what's in the trunk of the car, Tones? More stay-pressed all, laid out like all, ammunition and weaponry. Yes, exactly. All beautifully laid yeah. out like the mm. like the um, the boot of a serial killer's car. Mm. They close the trunk. He says, thank you very much. And as they drive away, the cop looks down at the creases in his own shirt and realises what a distressing mess he is compared to. Mm. Angel, cue music, cue logo, mm. goodbye. Thank you very much. 60 seconds of pure... Postmodern entertainment advertising joy what, what, sixty seconds sixty second ad oh and here's the ad in all its glory some dirty techno a country and western B side from a bloke you've never heard of and a twenty four word script John Hegarty's gift to the world check out the podcast notes for a YouTube link to the visuals.
1: Why can't you look and see Can I see your papers please What's Really happen to me Everybody here seems to know I stepping out of the car sir what can can be. Why can't you Could you open the trunk please A good day,
2: gentlemen.
0: What do you think of them, bananas? I think it's interesting. So, let me ask you for a change. What do you think the message was there? What's your outtake,
2: take out? Well, in some ways, it's really complex. In some ways, it's not. And okay. we're, we're back to that thing where, <laughs> you know, we're back to advertising as entertainment. <laughs> So, if you were so inclined, if you were. But what was your takeout? My takeout mm. was that it's a fucking piece of genius work mm. that Levi's were in a barrel load of trouble and had attempted to advertise their way out of it with. Let me give you. See if, let me see if you recognize any of these ads. So, in the period between the Nick Cayman mm-hmm. denim ad and when these ads came out, mm. Levi's got into trouble because of the. Jeremy Clarkson effect on denim sales. Mm. So Levi's stopped becoming cool because middle-aged men were seen to be Mm. wearing them. Levi's sales had dropped 13% in a single year, the year before this ad ran. In a single year, they had to close 11 of 22 factories in the United States. Mm. Do you remember them trying to advertise their way out with an ad which featured a child trying to fit a square peg in a round hole and then finally forcing the square peg into the round hole with a hammer. No, I do not. No. Do you remember an ad that featured a deeply ordinary 1950s businessman showing off the accoutrements of his life, which included six wives? No, sir, I do not. Do you remember a man in a shopping mall with no trousers on? No, I do not. And do you remember a hamster that died of boredom? When the wheel in its hutch broke. Hmm. I do not. Kevin the Hamster's death hmm. upset so many people that the ad had to be pulled. Wow. So all those ads ran in the period after Nick came and, and before this ad. I don't remember anything. No, none of them. I literally I have never no. seen them on a real No, neither have I. Never seen which anything. You thought, yeah. The Levi's marketing director at the time is a woman called Amanda LaRue is on record as saying that what she wanted was to make advertising that positioned Levi's as hip and underground and cool again. That's oh. like a suicide brief, isn't it, for an advertising agency? Oh. Realistically, if somebody comes to you and says, I've got a global brand, it's on its arse, I want you to make it surreal, hip and cool. There are so many ways to fail at that brief. Well, at least didn't say make it award winning. At least she didn't say, make me famous, mm. because and LaRue is not famous. Mm. John Hegarty is famous mm. in a kind of advertising way. Mm. Sir so John. So that was the brief that BBH got, was to make surreal advertising, to mm. make Levi's hip and feel underground. Interesting. They got this script together. John Hegarty went to pitch it to the client, mm. and he took them through the whole ad in the way that, I've just taken you through the whole ad, except he didn't tell the client that one of the people in the head was a sock puppet. Really? That's how he sold it. Really? Yep. He didn't He didn't tell them until right at the very end. So he's going through a script, which is a Thelma and Louise style idea. Mm. He's saying that we, you know, we're hooked up with two really cool people mm. who are on the run, Thelma mm. and Louise style. And what he didn't say is that Kevin the Hamster has morphed into Flat Eric. Mm.
0: As you know, I asked him, how we sold that ad? When we used to work there, and he was in Singapore, and his answer was along the lines of, "We showed them some work from this very creative person, this very creative French person, and said we want to use him in the ad."
2: So I suppose it's a, it's a bit of a mixture of two, isn't it? The backstory is that the Mister Uzo Oizo, Oizo, Mister Uzo, Mister uh, Oizo. Hang on, sorry, is um, actually a French electronic music maker mm. called Quentin Dupuy. Dupieux. Did De, you know that? Dupieux? I don't... I do don't, no, not a Jean-Paul or Dupieux, isn't it? My French isn't that flash, but Quentin Dupieux, mm-hmm. he had released a video for a piece of music that he'd done, which wasn't the music that's used in the ad, but Eric had appeared in that. Mm. And then he'd sent his reel. He'd sent it on a reel because he was an aspiring director. So mm. he'd sent the, his reel round mm. to a whole bunch of agencies in France and the UK and... You know, there's that amazing tradition of advertising appropriating certain artistic endeavours, mm. and they just went, "Yeah, we'll have that." Yeah, oh, well, that's, that's it. Yeah, we'll that, have that. Yeah, that—that yeah. that was the—that um, was it. Ah! It's worth noting that what's described here as the rich tradition of the appropriation of certain artistic endeavours is actually more commonly known as plagiarism. As it will become clear later in the pod, however, BBH's behaviour in the matter of Mr. Oizo's work was almost a best-practice case study of a multinational agency collaborating with an obscure artist to the benefit of all the parties concerned. Simpler times, indeed. The original ad, which is not the one that we're talking about, but the one where, they ju- where you just um, there's a shot of Mr. Flat Eric just grooving along to mm. Flatbeat, that ad looks very similar to the video that was on the reel that John Haggerty's people saw. Mm. To avoid some copyright issues, they had to slightly change the way that Flat Eric looked. They changed the shape of his nose. What do you mean copyright issues? Because it wasn't it, Mr... So Mr Uzo, Uzo, Mr. Uzo owned, the copy, owned the copyright for Flat Eric mm. because it was his creation, mm. but and he didn't want to sell the copyright to Levi's. Okay. Flat Eric under Mr Uzo... I can't say Mr mm-hmm. Uzo's... Um, auspices has gone on to have a whole life after that. Oh, really? So he still uses him. Okay. He's been in a video recently with Pharrell Williams. So would it have mattered whether they use the actual real nose or or a different nose? Well, Levi's wanted something that they could say for the purposes of this advertising campaign we right. own. Okay. And Mr. Uzo was saying, I'm not, I don't want to sell you flat Eric. So they changed the nose. And I did read somewhere that apparently one of them, Either Mr. Uzo, obviously Flat Eric or Mr. Uzo doesn't have any ears, but I couldn't. Frankly, I just couldn't be asked to go back and check that. Mm. Flat Eric became Flat Eric. I just I'm starting to really love this stuff. Where I get I go on the internet and just find all this crap. It's all true. It is all true. Flat Eric is called Flat Eric because in a very early script he was um, going to be run over by a car. Oh. Ah. that script got binned, but they kept the name Flat Eric because before that it just looked like a bit of a Garfield, wouldn't he? Yeah, and this whole you know, in this whole spirit of postmodernism where you get all this audience involvement mm. and people start getting very attached. Mm. So there are websites with conspiracy theories about why he's got Flat Eric. But it's the kind of involvement that mm-hmm. when, you know, Amanda LaRue briefed BBH and said, make us famous, I think she probably would have taken it. I'm just not sure how famous they made Levi's. I think they made Flat Eric really, really really. Well yeah, because the exact- you know anything about the music? I know a little bit about the music, okay. probably not as much as you. No, 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 go ahead. I'm, I'm down to it. I know it hit the charts. Can I give you the whole, can I give you all my research? Yeah, let please. Me, let, me do yeah, the, yeah. let me do the dump. So this guy, Quentin Dupieux, Mr. Ozo, was 24 years old, and BBH did some kind of deal with him where he retained some of the merchandising rights for Eric and he also retained all the music rights. He directed the ad. He's 24 years old. He had a bit of a reel going, and he basically had a bunch of friends. So his DOP was his best mate. In the original video that was on the reel, the bloke in the car, Angel, became the guy in the ad. So basically Quinton got all his mates together, his DOP mate, and he got Angel, the star, the human star of the ad, and a gaffer, and a, they're all from Paris, they're 24, they're all fucked up all the time, and they all went to L.A. and dumped a half million pounds making three ads in L.A., how amazing would that have been to have done nothing and then next day Levi's go, here's a half a million pounds. Yeah, pretty good. It's only upwards from there, isn't it? Yep. so there's no CGI in the ad. No, Eric's Not, real. Nothing at all. Eric was made by Jim Henson's From Pop- Oh, as I say, from the Muppets. Puppet Factory in London. But yeah. they already existed. Oh, they remade it with a the different they're nose. Remade. That's why Frank Oz's line flat yeah, out. But, that. I, but also, you know, what it's like working on a mm. shoot. So they had to have... Stuck one. They had to have three versions Body in double. case one got lost. Sick. And apparently the woman that took all the props over on the plane took one over and put it on, on the chair next to it. Oh, God. But, you know, it's like them, some little production yeah. assistant has been charged with getting Flat Eric I've to Los Angeles. I've taken back from, from crew to make sure we all get back with tapes and everything. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Bankers. The track's really interesting. So the track on the ad, which was which ultimately became Flatbeat, Quinton... Oh, let's call, are we calling him Quinton or are we calling him Mr... Uzer? Call him whatever you want to call him. Mr, Mr. Quinton... Did you not have to call me for dinner? Mr Quinton says that he wrote a 20-second loop of Flatbeat the music in the ad the day before they started shooting. Well, you wouldn't have believed it, would well, you? listen to the complexity of it. But all his music sounds like that anyway, <laughs> right. doesn't it? Like, he says he wrote that loop the, right. the day before. Quite possibly... When the ads aired, it blew up so quickly that he had to make a three-minute version, a dance track that became, you probably know more about this than me because you were involved in kind of dance culture, I wasn't. But, you know, the three-minute version, that flatbeat, went on to become number one in the UK, Germany, Norway, Belgium, Austria and Italy. Mm. I completely
0: believe that, yeah. Especially in Germany and I'm arguing. It's very much like an Ibiza track as well, isn't it? Novelty track, but it wasn't. Yeah, it's, it's quite good. I mean, if I can remember, probably not the exact details of it, but if I can recite it now, you know, and have that loop in my head, you know, it's something quite
2: powerful. Flat so Eric became only the third puppet to have a number one single. Oh, I
0: think we're talking in metaphors. In, I don't think so.
2: In the United Kingdom, hang on. Let me without
0: looking. Let is me have a guess. It, let me have a guess. Was it, it have been Orville?
1: Oh, is it, is it no?
2: Your capacity for storing shite in your head. Keith is a constant source of key, surprise for key, me. Keith is someone in Orville. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Do you? I
0: do. Uh, Isn't
2: it? All yeah. That one. The other one. The other one's a bit more esoteric. You might struggle. Oh, another puppet, Mister Blobby. Mister Blobby wasn't a puppet. Oh, Mister the- Blobby was a human well, in, think, a, yeah. in a suit. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Okay, the other one was Roland Rat. Oh, Roland Rat and his mate Kevin. I can't even remember where. I know. I Roland Rat and Kevin, yeah. Where did Roland Rat come from? Where was that? Uh, I think that was, was that a TV thing? I'm
0: thinking Philip Schofield. It was thing. Philip Schofield, I'm thinking. Some I think I get
2: Roland Rat. i some vague memories about it. Yeah,
0: I can see Roland Rat and Kenny, my mate Kenny. Always on his BMX.
2: What did Roland Rat sing? There's only so much depth that oh, I, go in, I think, can go into in this before the internet just shouts about. Right, so it. Know gives off,
0: a we, we know who was fired off Coronation Street that week, but no
2: idea what the number one song was about. The feature, okay. The campaign launched with three ads. The three ads in the spring of 1999. At the time, Levi's had. You probably know, more about this than I than I do, but. I've been reading that Levi's had a policy of only running standalone campaigns. So typically, like, you would run an ad and that was it. It would never run again. There wouldn't be a sister version. There wouldn't be any other version. Like, the Nick Kamen ad was a standalone. The Mr. Bombastic with the Shaggy track was a standalone. Like, your Jennifer Love You ad, was that one of a series or was that a
0: one-off? No, it, it, we actually, we did two, It was a series because, well, yes and no. Because we used... um Alyssa, Milano, in the other one. But they weren't for the same jeans. Because it's not so much I don't think that they do campaigns or extensions. It's because each product is very different. So the Stay Pressed was one product. You know, what I did it for, pink jeans was another. Then we did oil-coated jeans, which is another. 501s would be one, 502s would be another. So it's more they they kept them separate um, and distinguished by doing different campaigns as opposed to extending them generally. Because every single um, Levi's ad had a product benefit in it. The laundrette one, the shrink to fit where the guy gets in the bath, you know, they all had their own proposition.
2: So they all had their own ad. Okay. So they originally thought that they'd just run the three ads in March. Mm. They actually went on and made another five ads that ran in, in August and September for Stay Pressed again, <coughs> featuring Flat Eric. Mm. Um which apparently they didn't normally do. But it's for stay yeah, but
0: it's still for Stay Press, doesn't it? So it, as, as far as going for extensions, I am not sure.
2: This ad won two gold lines at Cannes. Wow. And it and it won Campaign of the Year mm. from Campaign Magazine. Um, this is a bit I know that you love to pick apart. Levi's reported that volume sales of Stay Pressed increased dramatically over a four-month tracking period, growing by 21 times in the UK. Wow. 19 times in Italy, six times in Spain, and three times in France. Flat Eric became the first fictional character to be interviewed by The Face magazine. Oh, well, how did that work out for him? But there's, um, if ever you want to be anchored in time, The Face magazine puts you... Right there. Absolutely.
0: It? I started reading the face when it was slightly too old for me. And I was sort of, you know, getting there,
2: but then I read it right till the very end. And just to hugging back, where, you know, Levi's sold product, but Flat Eric became mm. a thing. The world went berserk. Mm. That's interesting
0: because the actual product was a, it wasn't, we keep talking about Levi's, it's a very un Levi's products because everyone thinks about denim and jeans. Yeah. But these pants were kind of more like old age, pensioner, pedo, polyester pants, weren't they? They were bizarre. Would you have to have a very specific look to actually wear in the first place? I don't think it was for anyone just to run out and buy. Otherwise, it looked like you've been down the op shop.
2: The word is that the, the Stay Press was a staple for mods. Mm, could be, yeah. In the sixties and seventies, yeah, could uh, Looking yeah. at the ad and looking at the clothes,
0: all I see is like the button-up colour, which relates yeah. to, you know, to the mods. Yeah. I don't remember seeing them running around in a pair of um, powder blue,
2: yeah, you know, There wasn't a lot of action like that in Yorkshire when, no, <laughs> in nineteen nineteen. I'd say not. No. Um, <laughs> I think it was for the metropolitan <laughs> elites. Flat Eric became a thing. It's a huge thing. Why,
0: Tony? I'm not convinced personally that the ads were great advertising. They were great films for a pretty good product, but I'm not sure the ads were fantastic. But yeah, the track was all right. It was multifaceted, wasn't it? it had the music, it had the character,
2: it had the commercial, it had the uniqueness. How much do you think they played for for this? Because typically with a character, what you do is you're looking for a character that a demographic might project its values onto, mm. right? So if you have, well, let's stick with Flat Eric. So you you would have to make the assumption that the target audience was 18 to 25 year old men. No women in this ad. Mm. If you're an 18 to 25 year old man in 1999. What is so attractive about Flat Eric that you would be happy to wear a lapel badge or a T-shirt? Well, he's anti-establishment, isn't he? He doesn't say
0: a word. You know, his strength is in his silence. He—he's you know, In those ads, he's playing the law, right? He's a smarter one. And so I think that's why people will wear a lapel pin of him. It's the same as wearing a Che Guevara T-shirt for people that understood or didn't understand. You know, it stands for something, doesn't it?
2: If you were a planner, that's almost exactly how you would, you would have mm. pinched that. To the client, I was the price the interview, Yeah, it's very loose. When you, also, well, we have your hand up the backside of the From 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 memory, one of the questions was, "What is the significance of the postcard with the policewoman on it mm. in the car?" And he said, "And Mister Mister Eric... <laughs>
0: He's not been the policeman's
2: wife. <laughs> Eric says, if you look very closely at the photograph, she's wearing one leather, one leather glove. Oh. it's a sexual thing. Oh. that was the answer. You know, he wasn't. There was none of this um, kind of bollocks that you'd expect on social media, where you know the first half of the sentence is fairly interesting, and then the second half, and he would go. And I did that while I was wearing my stay yeah, yeah. my stay pressed um you know, bowling shirt. There is an
0: enormous amount of unnecessary detail in that. I think in that whole ad. Um, I mean, you went through a few about the song and the postcard, and you know, the passport or driver's license, all the detail, the naming of them.
2: Why was that necessary? And I think, think if you're Gen- John Hegarty, you're you're selling this to the client and saying that we are we are creating a world. Mm. We are creating a world, and if you're creating a world, detail is important mm. because we're trying to move past caricatures. We're trying to move past stereotypes. Essentially, what we're making is a sixty-second movie. Mm starring, I mean, there's only one star in that ad. Mm. Can I give you a quote from a journal? Mm-hmm. So it went, a journalist, this is how seriously people were taking the zeitgeist at the time. The journalist says, Flat Eric is a person trapped inside the body of a puppet. He never speaks a word, yet we are completely convinced that he has a mother, a past, a way of making coffee, and a favourite side to sleep on. In just a few seconds... His creators have achieved what few modern dramas have managed. A totally believable character whose life we are only glimpsing.
0: Well, I can—I mean, that's a lot to read into it, but I can see why. It's because, you know, he's not so passive. He doesn't just sit there. You know, he grabs things. He turns the postcard over. He's, he's a little bit more animated than just sitting there, you know, with a hand over his back, isn't he? But it's a little bit... Yeah, I think there must but be sort of do you
2: think that, So John and his creative team sat there and said, "What we need to do is cram this thing full of details no, so we can so. No. we can persuade people that Mister that Mister Eric is a, no. a you know a real character who wanted no. them to believe in his world, believe in the Thelma and Louise no. drama. Sometimes things are just good because they're good. What was it? Bill Bernbach used to say, yeah. "It's um, universal human truths." So somewhere in that ad, there is a universal human truth, mm-hmm. and it's. I, I would hope that at some stage. A suit has gone into a meeting with the creatives and gone, you know what, we're just selling pants. Let's be silly. Let's be memorable. Let's create something a bit weird. Let's stand out. Let's be different. Let's not do what's expected of us. And that would be the brief. That would be the end of it. Mm, yeah, but you know, a planner
0: is worth his weight in gold if he's a good one. And it's normally the client who gets in the way with silly, silliness. Proposition is whatever I want to call it now. Shouldn't. End up being so good and simple, it could actually just be a headline on a black piece of paper and run as an ad, right? So I don't think it's the planners again in the way. It's the clients that give feedback. Say,
2: oh I think we should do this. Can we do this? Can we take this out? Can we put this in? And Levi's as a client were more than happy once Flat Eric went global they were more than happy to take the credit for having the courage to run these ads. Well, yeah, they did The the reality is that John Hegarty had to pitch that concept three times. Mm. The first time, he didn't even tell them about the puppet until the end. And they had to have two further meetings involving virtually every member of the agency and the Levi's client team before Mm. Levi's would go anywhere near it. Mm.
0: But at the end of the day, what's on the screen is the evidence, isn't it? So... They did. So no matter how you get there, at least they did it. So I guess they should take some credit
2: in the end. Yes, because they got there in the end. Mm. Risk aversion at the client end of relationships kills ads like these. Normally, I guess the point being is they got there in the end, which make this ad stand out. But
0: how many times didn't they, and how many other exactly. clients didn't? There in order that. for this one to be a standout. I mean, generally speaking,
2: clients are poor at their jobs.
0: I was just going to say, just hold on for a second But what I think the Woodbricks say. You know when you suddenly have to reinsert words in a movie? He goes, I think cards are pretty lovely.
2: Hey, you've called John. And you should insert another nice word there. Birds are pretty amazing. I mean, a lot of the times, you go into a you go into a room to pitch an idea, and you're working on the understanding that what a brand needs is uh, it needs standout work, it needs to cut through, and to do that, it has to be a little bit daring. The client has to be a little bit courageous, and you're making the assumption that the client understands that. And most of the time, they either don't understand that, or if they do understand it, then they haven't got the balls to run the work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the way we talk about sometimes we pick out an ad and talk about it as if it's a
0: Haley's Comet amount of times it passes you know, by us. This opportunity happens in agencies nearly every day. You know, when we talk yes. about trying to convince the client to do this and it had to be this, it's like it's some monumental moment, but it's not. It's an everyday yeah. occurrence. Yeah. So I don't think we go into meetings with clients trying to convince them that it needs to be this, it needs to be that. We just do what we do, and hopefully, you know, all the stars align. No, I
2: mean, the bottom line is that every single day of every, of every week, clients walk into advertising agencies and kill Great ideas! Oh, oh God, yeah. yeah, every single hour, yeah. of every single day, of yeah. every single week. But if you didn't, we wouldn't have the great ideas. In order yeah. to make some great, they have to kill all the all the other ones, don't they? And very very early on, I was told that clients get the advertising that they deserve. Mm. I think Amanda Larue probably got the advertising that she deserved with this one, don't you? I think it's right up her street. <laughs> Mr. Oizo, was it right up her street for both our listeners? <laughs> the the French translation of the word rue is street. Anyway, okay. Gutless average process driven marketing graduates get gutless average process driven work. Who said that? Me. Oh,
1: <laughs> that
2: was Winston the four, Churchill or someone. The fourth rate suit. Great. No, I feel better now, actually, having unburdened myself of that
0: so i think it's scoring time this time and you're is. the one the score you know normally you ask me about craft creativity etc cetera, etc cetera. but i think it's because you feel so passionate about this this ad and i'm really curious to see what you give it so why don't we start with your, start with your scoring um i think normally it starts off with craft brand brand okay i think it normally starts off with brand so what's your score for brand
2: I'm giving it a solid three point five for Brand. Three point five? I'm giving it three point five because there are multiple issues. I think that the ad is actually a victim of its own success to a certain to a certain point. Because people and even people like us, I think, although it's twenty years later, the ad gets referred to as the Flat Eric ad. Nobody mm. refers to it as the Levi's ad. It is the, it is the Flat Eric. Uh, yeah, hardly anybody would
0: be able to recall Stay Pressed either, I would say. I
2: think the mm. recall on Stay Pressed is pretty much zero. Mm. I'm not even sure Stay Pressed exists as a brand mm. anymore. I, I certainly have not seen it for sale anywhere. Is think the, the, the category folded? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the category folded, it could
2: be, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Three point five. Do you think that's unfair? Um,
0: no, not really. I think yeah, I think it's it's more than fair considering most people couldn't recall the brand or the product. I think three point five is quite generous
2: for branding. So if the brand is still around, I think it's fair to be able to say, well, that's a great ad. Mm. But everybody calls it the Flat Eric ad. Nobody yeah. fucking calls it the no. Vice ad.
0: No, and if we're questioning and, whether the brand is still around, all that that product is still around. Then, no, I think that's a fair score. Okay, and the next category is
2: craft is direction the next category is creativity the next category is casting okay the next category is casting casting i've got to give it a five casting oh five yeah somebody cast a puppet they could have had miss piggy they could have had kermit could have had Fonzie the bear they could have had no, so many others said they could they, have had orville no already a number hit, one the part of the reason that i love this ad so much is the idea that to come up with such a great ad Irrespective of whether or not it's good for the brand or not, I just love the ad. The world turns. So, Mr. Quinton makes, oh, his, Quinton makes his video. <laughs> Mr. Quinton. <Mr>. Qu- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many he names he's got. I, know, it's I know, it's time. Time. <laughs> Mr. Quinton. So Mr. Quinton makes his video with his mates somewhere in Paris. He puts it on a VCR. Let's say it ends up on John Hegarty's desk. Mm. The Frenchman and all his mates get called over Hegarty. Tap dances the idea three times before the client will even contemplate it. They go, they go being a half a million pounds in LA. They could have shot it in Dalston, but John's going now. We've got to go LA. That's No, I think Dalston would just stay oppressed. <laughs> it's a different brand completely. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like all those little details that all oh, they yeah, all but, come together. But it's an American brand, so it has to be America. Uh, yeah, regardless. Yeah, yeah But I, I yeah. suppose so. But but the casting though. Casting five, I can't, I can't go past it. Yeah. And, he, and, and one of the things I love is when people become famous in this industry, it very quickly turns into Billy Big Bollocks and the bloke that you went to art school with who's not doing so well, you know, you pass him in your in your chauffeured car on the way to the studio to do the edit on your ad, whereas mister quintin Quinton's gone, Mr Quinton, Angel, Angel. We've locked in. I've got half a million pounds to shit can in Los Angeles. Come on, you're going to be in the ad. So the guy that is in the reel is the guy in the ad. Yeah. It's Mr Angel. I love that, yeah. that the, the, he's done that continuity thing. So casting is his best mate who appeared in his reel for him because he couldn't get anybody else to do it. Yeah. And then the puppet is brilliant. He thought of the puppet, but he's gone. You know what? He's my puppet. I found he, he apparently found him in a flea market in Paris the original puppet there's some old lady but Mr Quinton's gone this is my sock puppet he's my mister you can have the idea but I want you to change it a bit so that mine is still mine and Flatterick's got a triangular nose and may or may not have ears because Mr. Quinton's gone, fuck it, I don't really want the money that much. Also, I love the copper.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I thought you were going to tell me that he was, did you recognize the copper? He was the father in law of the woman that killed herself in Dallas' next I thought you were going to tell me something like I didn't that. Get
2: that fast. He does look familiar. Because what happened is that Flat Eric became so immensely popular that there is not a single column inch of newspaper coverage, re- reportage, anything at all about Angel.
0: Well, I, you know, I, I, I couldn't remember his name until. I couldn't recall his name until he just mentioned it.
2: He's gets no pre- Not got nothing to do with Los Angeles, any sort of subliminal sort of link got no pre- He's got no press. He's got nothing. Mm. And he's 50% of the Thelma and Louise part of the mm. deal. And the cop, nobody knows who he is. Mm. He, he doesn't appear. But the casting as a highway patrol policeman, I thought was great. Mm. Down to the, um, he's slightly balding. He's, he's a little bit overweight, but he's not. Oh, he's got a that paunch, yeah. He's not going to lift the out, yeah, out of the window and just kick the shit out of him. Five. Okay. It's a really solid five as well. All right. Okay. Craft. I don't feel like I'm qualified to talk about craft, except as a passive consumer of the media, in which case I've got to give it a five. I would give oh. it a ten if I could. At the risk of outreaching myself, I do like the way it's shot. It's kind of loose. It's a bit loose. It's a bit grainy. But the thing that gives it a fire for me is exactly the thing that you mentioned earlier on. It's all those details.
0: It's quite interesting you should it's say fire. it's quite loose and grainy because it's an FSA press, which is all about precision and sharpness.
2: And I do love the, the product shot. I love because you're not really sure about what's happening up to the point where he gets out of the car. Mm. So it's a, it is a bit grainy. It's got that kind of California... Sunset, yeah, it's got the, the golden hour time. That'd be the only thing I'd say, actually.
0: I've got to say, if there was a criticism, and it's impossible to avoid, is the grade was very much of the day. So it does date it. You know, if you notice a lot of the ads that we're watching, yes, you can tell by quality, whether it's a you know shot on film or it's a beta double or something like that we found online, but you could never really tell the edge by a grade. Any of those ads that we looked at, this one you can start to tell. The grade was very much of that sort of era when right. there was a look, which, again, you can't tell because you're obviously, when you're in the era,
2: you're in yeah. the era. And that's why I say I'm not really sure that I'm the right person to do craft, but uh, from my point of view, I mm. loved the brown paper bag that falls out of the glove compartment. Yeah, it's i really love good. I love the storytelling component of it. It's a very tightly, even though it's a minute, there's a massive amount of stuff mm. happening in it. And then I think it's about 40 seconds through, he gets out and there's the product. Mm. And you go from this kind of slightly, slightly loose, slightly grainy thing. And there he is in his full stay pressed glory. There's such a, a juxtaposition between what's gone before. And the guy's acting. He just kind of stands, he's very non, I don't know. Very loose kind yes. of. Yeah, uh, I am believing yeah. you're not. So yeah. do look at me there. And way. then you go around, and, you know, then we move around to the back of the car and there's the trunk lift and the reveal of yeah. more product. Yeah. I just think it's amazing storytelling. Yeah. It's a five, it's a strong five for me, regardless of the fact that you can't remember the fucking brand at the end of it. All right. So what's the total? Well, we've still got, oh, sorry, we've still got one more. What's the last one? Creativity. Oh, okay. Creativity. I'm not, I don't see how you can not give that a five for creativity. Okay. Well, this is up with the big ones. What have we got? 5, 10, 15, 18.5. I don't, it's not It's not up there with a bloke in a gimp suit <laughs> selling fizzy water. That's true. Fizzy, see, that's a difference. Fizzy apple see? water. What did I, what did I miss? But So we've got the suits point of view. What have I missed? Nothing, you I think. You chose this ad again. This
1: is one yeah, of yours.
0: just because I, th- I think it's just so different. The ads we look at, we always remember for being like a fun bit of entertainment or, you know, great characters or for a product we recall. Yeah. This is quite a mixture of everything. It was an entertaining film for a well-known product. Oh, sorry, well-known brand with a little less known um, product, but just so quirky and different that it extended into the you know the rest of the fabric of society, if you like. Then a regular ad. so it was worth looking at and scoring. I think, yeah.
2: From the agency's point of view, strategically, cre- um, the idea of creating a character is quite risky, isn't it? The TNCs that was that it wasn't their character; they had loaned him, if you
0: like. They attached the brand to him. So if it had gone arse over tit and, and uh, bombed. They could just brush him off and never know never know flat heroic again. Do you think so? Well who knows? Who knows? <laughs>
2: so anecdotally, Levi's got some audience audience research um done before the ads aired and mm. it tanked. Yeah. The audience hated it. And they off went no back good sign they went success. back to Hegarty, and John said, Well, you spent half a million dollars uh, half a million pounds on it. Mm. It's a sunk cost, you might as well run them and see what happens. Yeah, true. And the rest is history. Mr. Flatbeat. Mr. Quinton Uzo's flat beat man became a global phenomenon that thing shifted so much merchandise became a part of the zeitgeist was interviewed in all seriousness by the face magazine i mean this strategy works the creation of a character works in this way when it's for a product with disposable for disposable income right so shirts and mm. Can you do this with what are effectively distressed purchases like insurance and mm. um, washing powder? You can create characters. I think the difference is that those
0: brands, you know, other kind of categories like insurance and whatever, you. you're trying to normalize those so they become you know easier to um, engage the consumer because nobody normally wants to talk about insurance or what you. So you try and bring them with this one. You're actually trying to set it to an aspirational, completely out there kind of thing in the first place, which will attract the left field people. Mm. So yes, you can, is the answer, I think. You can do it for different reasons. You can either make it out there so it, it, it attracts the outliers, or you can try and normalize it so it attracts more people. A character will work either way, if that's the question.
2: Because apparently the strategy at Levi's end was we're not selling any jeans. We've got this brand, Stay Press, which is a type of clothes, which is non-jean clothes. Mm. And they were looking to get growth. As you alluded earlier, though, it's not the kind of thing that every man and his dog was wearing. So it's a very niche product.
0: And also pretty big, imagine, right, Levi's probably the most famous name in jeans and yeah. denim. This would be one of the first products, besides maybe Dockers, but that's a sort of separate conversation, that they would have advertised which weren't jeans. It's like Ford suddenly selling sneakers, you know? How do you accept them doing that? Because it's it's not a jeans ad, is it? It's a clothing. Yeah. And you say, yeah, Levi's that's very different to start with, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed talking about this ad. That was good, I could tell. I love I love this ad.
0: And, you know, it's not true. You can't overanalyze shit sometimes. Sometimes you look at this and you go, oh, God, what a bunch of white that is. It's basically a puppet. But everything has a reason.
2: I f- I feel very much like a punter with this ad. And in some ways I feel like, I want to love it without being manipulated. I well, don't yeah. want it to feel like it's manipulating me. Well, it's funny. It
0: seems it's probably one of the most contrived ads but ends up feeling less contrived than yes. So of the other ones. Which is, it's genius. Yeah, yeah very good. If Sir John was here, I'd buy him a beer. I don't think you'd drink it. It's <laughs> <problem>. <laughs>
2: Thanks very much, Tones. Thanks, Mr. Owizer. Flat. Mr. Thank you, Mr. Tony. <laughs> You're welcome. I really enjoyed that. It was, it was thank great. You. I love that. ad Thank you. Stay pressed. Lovely work. See ya. Later. <laughs> 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 I'm <like> getting uneasy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to say the price that. Rise there, just
0: rocking
2: uneasily. Come <laughs> <laughs> <So we're> back. <laughs> It's now rapidly becoming traditional for Tones to end the pod, rocking from side to side on his chair and chewing his knuckles looking like a four-year-old boy, trying to hold off the inevitable until the end of a particularly gripping episode of Thomas the Tank Engine. On a side note, I did try to explain to my four-year-old that it's perfectly normal to shit your pants from time to time but he's still taking the piss out of me. Thanks for giving us a listen this week, as usual. You can hit the subscribe button if you fancy listening to two middle-aged men talk about old TV ads and laugh at their own jokes next time thanks for listening to classic ads from simpler times we'll catch you soon